All right, welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.24, and today we're looking into knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and counsel. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am the director for Rekindling Ministries. And my name is Zach Rios, and I have been helping out with these podcasts and studying youth ministry and pastoral leadership. And getting ready to... And getting ready to graduate and start a THM. Which is awesome. Which I'm super pumped for. Yeah. Because then I'll actually be able to pronounce all of the words going <laughs> yeah, through yeah, our you little can list. <laughs> on it, yeah. Uh, and we also have uh, Craig DeLuca back. Uh, he's one of our, our regulars now. So, Craig, welcome back to the. Yes, thanks again for having me. It's uh, always a blast doing these. Yep, I enjoy them. Uh, and we'll, we'll throw a little teaser out there. Uh, as this season wraps up here in a few episodes, we're going to be rolling out a new. Uh, twist on some of the rec- uh, podcast recordings, so mm-hmm. we, we'll kind of leave it at that because I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it's going to look like. But <laughs> um, Anyways, so um, as always, let's do a quick recap of the last episode, which was humility. And so, Zach, um, what, do, what did we learn about humility last time? Well, first and foremost, we learned that humility is slightly different from what we normally think of when we think of humility in English. Because a lot of times what we think of is we think of um, really discrediting yourself, just putting yourself down, because uh, you don't want to be proud, and so you need to make sure that you knock yourself down a peg. Yeah, or minimize your talents or yeah. accomplishments. Yeah, And so then you actually are able to be humble. But what we actually learned from a biblical understanding of humility is that it's kneeling before God in adoration, security, and submission. And we talked a lot about the different details of that, uh, spent a lot of time on the different benefits and how there's a lot of benefits mm-hmm. for this. It's something that God just really, uh, really enjoys, really enjoys seeing his children do. Um, and we had a bunch of different analogies. One that really sticks out is just the idea of um, the feudal Lord that you need to be submitting to him because it's safer to be under his protection than running around on your own. Yep. Yeah, we also talked about like, so I think it's in Deuteronomy when it mentions that Moses was the most humble man on the earth. Hmm. And if you hold to like the English definition, it's a little bit contradictory that he would write that. Yeah. Um, but when you understand this biblical definition, all he was saying was, you know, because again, like, kind of led by the Spirit as he wrote that, mm-hmm. that there was no one else on the planet at that time that was kneeling before God in as much adoration and as much submission and as much, you know, trust and security. So that, that was kind of cool too. So, mm-hmm. uh, and so if you're, if you want to learn more about that, you can go back and listen to uh, 3.23. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and dive right into the, the study here on the on knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and counsel. And this one is a pretty straightforward episode. A lot of information we're going to go over uh, yeah. this time, yeah. uh, but nothing like like controversial or different or weird. Uh, just a lot of cool. This was a fun study to do when we did it. Uh, there was there was a lot to learn with that. So the first thing I'll say is. Um, this the using those four knowledge understanding wisdom and counsel i actually got that from isaiah 11:2 so there's three like list passages in scripture that i that i really really like and there's some overlap between them so galatians 5 with the nine fruit of the spirit and then second peter 1 where it, you know peter says add to your faith goodness goodness knowledge i think there's seven or eight in that list um, and then this one, Isaiah eleven two, which is a messianic passage, talking in Isaiah eleven one talks about um, uh, a root will rise up like from the stump of Jesse. It's talking about the coming Jesus, and it says the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And then it goes into uh, six elements like the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of power, right? Goes through all that. So, so I really like those three passages. Like I said, there's some overlap there, but when you put all three together, I think it comes out to like. 
mm, 13 or 14 different items. And it's just a cool list of like, if I really want to grow, this goes back to the maturity study we did earlier this season. If I want to grow as a believer and become more well-rounded, become the more complete version of me, what should I be doing? Well, you could make this list of 12 or 13 things. And that's, a, that's like a great starting point. Or another way to say that was, so with the uh, seven stage journey analogy and water walking, um, each of those, Hey, you know, is its own water walking area. That's a great place to start, uh, you know, with water walking anyway. So having said that in that, I, that list in Isaiah 11 there, it mentions knowledge, uh, understanding wisdom and counsel individually. So it kind of showed there was four separate things there. So that, that's where that, where this, this title came from. I just wanted to kind of explain that. Um, so going into the study, um, the first thing that we always do is, is we come up with all the family of words, cause we're not gonna look up just knowledge and wisdom. Um, and so I'm going to run you through real quick, everything we looked up. So we looked up no, and then all the variations of no. So known, knowledge, new, acknowledged, foreknowledge, unknown, etc. We looked up wisdom, and then all the, the variations of that, understanding and understood, fool and foolish, uh, counsel and counselor, instruct, learn, skill, recognize, discern, aware, examine, inform, advice, perceive, notice, insight, realize, prudence. I remember as, as I was putting all this list together, I'm like, ooh, I have to look up this, I have to look up this. This, this ended up, I think this is the longest list of all the family, of, of all the unpackings that we've done. But anyways, so realize, prudence, experience, investigate, ignorant, stupid, intelligent. Um, by the way, stupid shows up 12 times in the Bible, There's, or in the NASB. There's a little trivia for you. Um, intelligent, shrewd, comprehend, clever, conscious. Uh, those, those are the main ones that, that we did in the list. There were a bunch of other ones that I had started to look up, but I don't think we included the list because it just it would rabbit trail in a bunch of different ways. So like truth and false and falsehood and lies, heart and mind. Because um, even like mind, uh, well, I'll, we'll get all that stuff later on. Anyway, so th those were the, um, the family of words that, that we, we looked up. Um, total was 3,148 mentions. So that's... 2,126 times in the Old Testament, 1,022 times in the New, New Testament. Comes out on average in the Old Testament, this concept of knowledge or wisdom shows up uh, like 1.6 times a page. In the New Testament, it shows up 2.8 times a page. So it's, it's one of the more frequent things mentioned. It's also one of the longer ones. So I was telling you guys bef beforehand, um, this one was at you know 3,100, um, uh, evil and sin, was like 32 or 3400, 3600 somewhere in there. And then a lot the biggest one we had was actually leading and following, which we're going to be recording in a couple episodes from now because of the word king. Like king the like king shows up like 2400 times just by itself. And then all the other words of leading and following are like another 2200. So it's like 4400 uh, mentions. But anyway, so so this knowledge wisdom is up there with evil and sin and leading and following. As, as like like many many frequent mentions in the text. Um, so then we'll go next. We want we want to list out um, the the Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek words, uh, at least the primary ones um, that we found as we were doing this study. And as always, we're, we qualify this with we don't know how to pronounce these. We're kind of guessing. Um, and then you know, Jack, once you get some more education, you can you can inform us on all that. So, anyways, the one of the main words is yada. 
um, which was 943 times. We don't have to mention that with each one. But it made me think of that phrase, yada, yada, yada. But anyways, yada means to know or to ascertain by seeing. Or it can, mean, it can be translated to learn, perceive, discern, distinguish, recognize, acknowledge, admit, consider. And then dath, which means knowledge, perception, skill, wisdom, or understanding. Yeta, which is to certify, make known, teach, communicate, or inform. And that's an Aramaic word. Uh, and then nagad means to be conspicuous or obvious to the eye or mind, um, thus to tell or make something known. Shakum, to be wise in mind, word, or act, to teach, instruct, make wise. Chokma is wisdom, skillfulness, prudence, or shrewdness. Uh, Shakam is wise, skillful, expert, prudent, shrewd, or cunning. Bin, to discern, consider, carefully or diligently, gain insight, understanding, have intelligence about. You know, uh, if you, you know how Ben, B-E-N, is like son of? Mm -hmm. So if, if you were a son of discernment, you'd be Ben Ben. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just a fun fact for any of our listeners here. Tebuna uh, is understanding, intelligence, insight, or skill. And then Bina is understanding or discernment. Torah, direction, instruction, statute, commandment, law. Lamad is to learn, teach, exercise in, or train. Etzah means to, uh, is the noun, counsel, advice, plan, design, strategy, purpose. Kessel, fool, stupid fellow, dullard, simpleton, from the word meaning fat or silly. Yeah, that was an interesting little trivia there, too. Sakal is widely understood, comprehend, prudent, prosper, have success, teach, or give insight. Sekel is prudence or insight, understanding, or craftiness. Yats, to counsel, advise, consult, devise, plan, deliberate, resolve. Nakar is to regard, recognize, observe, pay attention to, scrutinize, notice, discern, or acknowledge. Ewell is foolishness, and it's from the, oh, this was a cool point. It's from the root word meaning to congeal or thicken. So, like, it's, it, it like slows your thinking. Foolishness. And then Tashia, sound wisdom, efficient knowledge, insight, abiding success. Shama is to hear, listen, perceive, understand, or obey. Leb means the inner man and can be translated mind, will, or heart, and so can also have the implication of knowledge or understanding. Gala, to uncover, reveal, exile. So those are the, the Hebrew and Aramaic words. So then getting into the Greek, uh, oida means to see, perceive, or be aware of, or to recognize or to know. Genosco, to perceive, recognize, to come to know, getting knowledge of, euphemism for intercourse. So that's like, like biblically, you know, so-and-so knew his wife, mm -hmm. right? Uh, epignosco is thoroughly acquainted with, to know accurately or recognize. Gnosis means knowing or, or general knowledge, understanding, or intelligence of some topic. Nurizo, come to know, gain knowledge, be made known. Anoio is unknown, not to be known or understand, to be ignorant. Gnostis, known, notable, noteworthy, or acquaintance. 
Sophia, wisdom, full of intelligence, knowledge of diverse matters, learning science. Sophos is wise, skilled, or expert. Uh, Sunimi, set or bring together or put the perception with the perceived to gain insight or understanding. Senesis, a running or following or putting together, knowledge, understanding. Perignello is to transit a message, order, charge, or command. Homologeo means to be of one mind or to agree with or to openly declare or profess. Manthano, to learn by use and practice, be informed, increased one's knowledge. Catalambano is to lay hold of, attain, seize, catch, comprehend, or understand. Epistemi is to put to put the mind upon, to fix one's thoughts upon, to comprehend or know or understand. Phronimos, practically wise, sensible, prudent, mindful of one's interests, intelligent, thoughtful, sagacious, discreet. Noeo is to perceive with the mind, exercise the mind, consider, ponder, heed, think upon, or understand. Dianoia uh, is the mind or thoughts, disposition, or understanding. Bully, counsel, advise, purpose, violation. Volition, Volition, yeah. Morose is dull, stupid, foolish, or godless. That's where we get moron, by the way. Uh, And then the last one is eruneo, seeking to know, search, investigate, or examine into. Um, if I was to ask you guys, you know, if someone said, why every episode do you sit there and just read off all of these Hebrew and Greek words, why would, how would you answer that? I think the main reason that we go through is to show the diversity of um, just all of the different words that there actually are. And so when we think of an English concept, we think, oh, well, knowledge and wisdom. But when you actually start looking into the the original language, mm-hmm. there's all of these different words that contribute towards the meaning of those English concepts, but are translated in different ways. So I think, one, it shows a lot of the nuance of the original languages, and then also just reading through the different definitions of those different words and ways that the Bible paints this picture, you can begin to see a lot of these patterns that come mm-hmm. through. Um in the actual definitions of the Greek words, you yep. can see uh, just like there's this idea of understanding and um, just a lot of these different things are repeated, which help us to see things that we wouldn't normally see if we just read through the English. Yep. What would you say, Craig? Uh, for me, I think it's just good to knowing that there's different words that mean different things. I, it's, it's helpful. You see a word in the Bible, you want to know mm-hmm. the translation. So, actually going back and looking it up and just realizing like they may have used for the, for knowledge or wisdom in the translation, but it could be a little bit different what the actual Hebrew or Greek was. Yep. So just knowing that there's all these other possibilities and uh, being able to go back, maybe read it in context and be like, you know what? It may be that, but it might mean a little bit something different mm-hmm. that I didn't think of before. Yeah. So, so the reason we, we do them in the studies themselves is just everything you guys said. We're getting back to kind of foundationally what's the origin or root of, of, of that's being translated here. And then you start to see nuances and interesting details. You definitely start, and this is probably the big one for me, you definitely start to see patterns 
and it begins to emphasize certain components. So that's why we included them in the study. And then why do we record them in, or why do we go ahead and go through it in the, in the, in the um, podcast? Because it can be a bit tedious as we read these off. But one of the things for me is, is I want everyone to know like, okay, you know what? So they, they actually, like we could just sit and say, oh, yeah, so then we study the words. We won't go into it now. How, how, how detailed do we get there? But if we go ahead and list off this entire list of all the words, then it begins to emphasize, you know, how comprehensive we were trying to get uh, and show you that we were, you know, trying to get it, get, get detailed there. Uh, and so that's the same reason why we do this, this next section, which is once we list out the Hebrew and the Greek, uh, then we go up, up we use uh, Merriam-Webster and or Farlex dictionaries, and then we start looking up all those in the English to see if we're still tracking with everything. And I think another reason that we include these English definitions is because words have meanings. And a lot of what we're doing going through all of these different topics is we're trying to figure out what the biblical definition of things are. And we spend a lot of time actually going through and defining our terms as we're going through these different podcasts. And so it just helps us to be on the same starting page mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as we go through this discussion to know what the actual English definitions of these words are. It's really helpful. It's really illuminating. Uh, okay, so given that, we're going to go through uh, another long list here of all these different words that have been coming up and try to make sure we understand what's going on here. So knowledge is becoming aware of some truth or fact. It's the mental process of directly perceiving and or experiencing and understanding the nature of something. Perceive is to become aware of through senses. If something is conspicuous, it's easy to notice. If you examine something, that means to observe carefully or critically, to test, study, or analyze the condition of. Uh, To investigate is to observe by close examination and systematic inquiry. To consider is to think carefully about or to take something into account. To experience is a direct observation of or participation in something that affects or increases one's knowledge. To ascertain is to discover with certainty. To certify is to confirm formally as true, accurate, or genuine. To admit means to accept something as true, real, valid, or accurate. To acknowledge means to express knowledge of or agreement with the truth of something. Understanding is to achieve a thorough familiarity of the meaning, nature, or significance of something. I really like that definition. Um, Comprehend is to grasp or take in the meaning, nature, or importance of something. Wisdom. Insight, deep understanding, keen discernment. Insight is an intuitive ability without the need of proof or reason to discern the true nature of a situation. Uh, Keen discernment is quick, extremely perceptive, a penetrating intellect or mind in recognizing differences and uh, uh, distinctions. And I realize um, I'm also going to add here the um, oh, wisdom can be this accumulated philosophical, religious, spiritual, or scientific learning, a wise belief, outlook, attitude, or plan. To learn is to come to realize, fix in the mind, gain knowledge, understanding, ability, or skill. And a skill is the ability to use one's knowledge effectively and readily in execution or performance. An expert has a high degree of knowledge or skill. 
Uh, and then another part of wisdom, another category of grouping, is to have good sense or judgment of what is true or right or what is prudent or shrewd. And to be prudent is the ability to skillfully govern and discipline oneself by use of reason, careful, and practical matters. I like that. And this definition of shrewdness, I think, is really helpful. It's clever, quick and resourceful, with deep perception and discernment of practical matters. Yeah, that's one of those words that you hear every once in a while, but don't always know. Yeah, and I always would associate it with a negative I would connotation. Too. Yeah, um, To be shrewd is like bad or like selfish sense. yeah greedy yeah but it's really just being clever and uh deep perception and discernment of practical matters yeah uh counsel is to offer opinions ideas recommendations or guidance to advise or consult regarding a plan of action and to advise is to inform suggest or caution to inform is to make aware of something Plan is to formulate and propose a systematic arrangement of elements in the pursuit of some objective. And to devise or design is to create and execute a plan. Intelligence is the ability to acquire, learn, understand, or use knowledge. Uh, Ignorance, in the flip of this, is to be unaware, lacking knowledge or comprehension. Stupid is lacking intelligence or slow to learn or understand. And a fool is someone who's deficient in common sense or understanding, or unwise, or absurd. One thing I'll say about those three, ignorant, stupid, and fool, I've learned that like those three there, they're actually kind of neutral technical definitions, right? It's just explaining that someone has an absence of some understanding or whatever. They can be used in very negative ways, but they themselves actually just have like a neutral rendering, kind of like judge from our, from our judgment right, study. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then uh, to teach is to provide knowledge or to cause to know. And to instruct is to provide knowledge, train, or direct. Can I just say, you know, I, I fully admit that I'm a geek and I'm a nerd. And I like just, and this was a fun study to really do, but just reading all those definitions and like the precision behind them, and you start seeing the patterns and how they kind of play out. I just actually love that stuff. Uh, same with like math. So wh- whether I can look at numbers and formulas and how they relate to each other, or I can look at, at words and what they mean and the underlying thoughts behind them, it's just I just really enjoy it. Yeah, I also like um, bringing to light things like stupid, fool, and ignorant because they're either used wrong all the time, particularly ignorance. Yep. And then every time someone would say some someone's stupid, there is a chance that they actually mean it as the definition. And not as an insult. And so, but you always hear like, you can't use that. You can't just make fun of me. It's like, no, sometimes someone is saying it out of actual definition, probably negatively, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they use it just in the technical sense, then it's fine. It's if you try to demean that, you know, you cross a line. But Which it's interesting because out of those three, ignorance actually a lot of times is used in that neutral sense. Um, Like when you call someone, when you say that someone's ignorant, you... Like, I even hear people describe themselves as ignorant, and it's not a demeaning thing. It's just I'm unaware of what what's right. going on with that. Uh, but with stupid and fool, there does seem to commonly be that connotation of yeah. insulting. Yeah. All right, so that's that's all of the... Um the, the wording and the definitions and, you know, the, the initial foundation. So then we went through the 3,100, you know, and changed verses. Um, I forget how many people were, were in that study. Um, 
but anyway, so we spent, you know, the full four weeks and breaking all that stuff down. And so now we're going to give you the, the summary and conclusion of everything that we learned from the study. So again, a lot, lot of information, which makes sense since that's kind of what this topic is. Um, so the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to give you the, the what is the, the summary definition? So as a reminder, when we do these unpackings, we're always looking to answer four questions. Once we've done all, we've, we've worked through all the, the scriptures, um, question one, so how would we define this word or, or how does the Bible define this word or this concept? Two, what are some of the details and nuances behind it that, that are really helpful to know? Three, um, what's the benefits to that concept and pursuing that concept. And then four, what does this mean for me like an application? Is there some change I wanna make in my life because of this study? So with that first question, definitions. So knowledge, and by the way, we, um, if you haven't noticed yet when you're listening on Podbean, we, there's a uh, um, like an information section. So like when you go into Podbean, you can click to hit play. Uh, below that, we, we, we have a little a block of text. And so I've started doing two things, and I went back and made sure I did these for all the episodes. We put the definitions there. So now that you actually have the visual, you can you can see and read what the definitions of the concepts are. And then we also put the timestamp so you can see if you want to if you don't want to listen to the whole podcast in its entirety at one time, you can listen to sections. We help give you an idea of how you can split those sections up. Anyways, so you can see those definitions there. So with that, so to, um, what is the biblical definition of knowledge? Uh, it is to perceive and consider some truth or fact that can be varying in significance, scope, or certainty to experience something and acquire knowledge through it or to recognize by some mark or to be intimately acquainted with, such as with, with a person. Um, and the, the idea of to perceive means to notice, be made aware of, or to reveal, realize, hear, empathize, etc., uh, two little sub points under that with the idea of acknowledge, which has knowledge in it, is to recognize or admit the reality of something. So, for example, Romans 10, 9, if you confess, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The Greek word for confess is the homologeo, one of those words that we read. And so the idea is if you, if you want to be saved, if you want to be delivered, preserved, and made whole and enter that eternal kingdom, you need to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. You need to recognize and admit that that's reality, right? Um, and then remember, not only are you supposed to know because you can forget, like you can learn something and then forget it. So remembering becomes an important part of this as well. And that's the exercising of memory, right? Bringing that knowledge back up to the forefront. And then uh, the biblical under definition of understanding is achieving a thorough familiarity with the meaning, nature, or significance of something. I really do love that definition. Wisdom, according to scripture, is acquiring deep, penetrating insight that results in skillful, practical mastery, such as self-governance. And that goes back to that prudent definition. Mm -hmm. And then counsel is to offer wise ideas or guidance in the systematic arranged pursuit of some objective after first giving careful consideration to what you know. So the idea here with these four um, one of the one of the big notes that we want to make with this is there's definitely an overlap and interchangeability between the knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Um, so, for example, like you could say it in a simplified sense that knowledge is like getting a piece of information, and then understanding is getting a deeper rendering of that, and then wisdom is learning what to do with that. 
So that whole idea of kind of like knowledge is the book smart and wisdom is the street smart. There, there's something there with that. So so there's going to be overlap with those three um, those three concepts. So there's not like these clear defined. Uh, parameters separating the three of them. Another thing that we found in in the scriptures as we went through the verses is there was some interchangeability. So for example, you would see certain Hebrew or Greek words that in one passage might be translated knowledge and another passage might be translated understanding. Um, and so we just we wanted to acknowledge that, um, that, that there was that overlap or interchangeability. I think for the study, for your own mind, you may kind of have that general concept of like these three stages of knowledge that then deepens and understanding that then plays out in the wisdom, um, but know that, that there's a blurring of the lines you know, between them. And then counsel becomes kind of a separate thing. So the idea is as you're gaining knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, now you're equipped to go counsel others to help them right get the knowledge, understanding, wisdom. Um, some of the other things, that so just some general notes that I want to make um, with this. Oh, uh, this is so knowledge, understanding, wisdom have both sweet and sour elements or results. So, Zach, do a quick reminder of what sweet and sour is. So sweet and sour is the idea that as we're going through life, there are different things that God has set up. And sweet and sour is the idea that some of these things are beneficial things that make you smile. They're mm-hmm. sweet. Uh, they're normally you're gonna you're enjoy. gonna enjoy these yeah. beneficial things, whereas sour issues or topics are also still good things. Yeah. Uh, they're good things from God, but when you act out, when they actually like manifest themselves, they make you wince. Mm-hmm. And so it's just that idea that each one has their place. Uh, you want a sweet cake, and you want sour. Um, I forget lemon the, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and so like each one has a purpose, and sour is not bad. It's not good and bad. It's sweet and sour. It, yeah, some things make you smile. Some things make, make you, you wince. wince. So the idea of like you have pros and cons about something, but then within pros, you have sweet pros and sour pros. Yeah. So with this idea here in this study, we found in in several different passages that that this idea of knowledge and understanding and wisdom can be sweet. It's very beneficial, and you're really going to enjoy it. Other times, um, you're going to get knowledge or understanding, and it is beneficial. It's going to make you wince, right? Kind of that tough truth or, or whatever. Another thing that we noticed was that wisdom, for all its benefits, will not avail against God, um, and that peace from God will guard your heart. So there was a little bit of, of warning there um, It'll guard your heart even even more than wisdom. Uh, and that love surpasses knowledge. So for all the benefits and all the emphasis that one should be getting knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, there were these passages that talk about, now keep in mind, no matter how much wisdom you get, you can't it can't avail against God. And that love is going to surpass knowledge. And that the peace of mind that comes with with trusting in God is going to be even more valuable than, than wisdom or understanding. So these are all really good things. But there was like these little kind of warnings. And I'll be careful. Don't make this top dog. Yeah, because I think of the verse that talks about speak the truth and understanding, or no, speak the truth and not no, speak the truth and love. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that mm-hmm. love is actually what we're doing to, and that's the motivation behind speaking truth. Uh, and then another cool thing, I remember this when we first did the study, in Proverbs, 
wisdom is presented as a core aspect or facet of God, and it's tied closely with the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit of God is going to is directly connect with there. It was used as a, a literary device, and it was per- personified as a woman to get the the author's um, son's attention as a counter to worldly lusts and desires. So that was one of the things we we're trying to figure out: why does why does he keep the author of Proverbs keep referring to wisdom as a she. And so I forget who did the research or we found out kind of behind the scenes, but it was a literary device um, to get his son's attention. I just thought that was really cool. Um, And then another note is that earthly knowledge and wisdom will pass away. So there's like earthly knowledge and wisdom and more heavenly or spiritual knowledge and wisdom. Um, And kind of going back to wisdom and knowledge needs to be tempered to some extent. Knowledge and wisdom must submit to love, humility, and goodness. And so that was really cool to remember that if you go back to, well, we've, we've done studies on all those now, love, humility, and goodness. Go back to those. Those three will always help keep knowledge and wisdom where it should be. And that, that's just a cool uh, interplay there. So the wise build, the foolish tear down, the prudent will ignore insults, scoffing makes it difficult to gain wisdom. These are some of those subpoints that we also saw in Proverbs. So those, those are just uh, some quick notes I wanted to make as far as from the study. So the next section that we're going to get into is how does one, so you know, now we understand kind of what knowledge, understanding, and wisdom are. Now we want to look at how do you accumulate knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And so we've got multiple points that we're going to go through here. So one of them is um, knowledge, and understanding, and wisdom is given by the Holy Spirit whether that's via ability or insights through instruction or revelation and visions, etc. And one of the core things that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to us is that Jesus is Lord. It is also given through God's word and the law. Uh, diligently keep God's instructions and applying its wisdom and leaning on his understanding more than our own, not considering ourselves too wise. It's also given through testing, and this is by God, and the result of this is so that we can know or learn various things, and this would really be an example of the sour instances Mm -hmm. of getting wisdom. Yep. Um, And then we can see that that knowledge, understanding, and wisdom are given through the wonders of creation, so we can just learn by observing creation around us. Um, It is given um, through fear of the Lord. And I'll make a quick note on that. So we just did the fear two episodes ago, and we talked about how there's the kind of dread fear, yeah. uh, shaking and dread, and then there's the excitement fear, uh, which is you know shaking and awe. And so when we talk about fear of the Lord, it's less about being scared of God and more about really being excited mm-hmm. about God. And so it makes sense that if you're excited about God, you're going to go learn. Yeah, and as you're getting excited about God, you're going to be growing that loving relationship with him. And so another way to accumulate knowledge and understanding is to be rooted and grounded in love, just more of what you were saying earlier. Another thing, and this is kind of a duh, is you need to desire it and desire it with humility. But if you don't desire those things, you're not going to pursue them. And uh, also to help with the knowledge and wisdom is um, turning away from evil desires and behavior. So repentance helps with that. Um, restraint and self-control, including being slow to anger. Um, leaving the presence of fools and not cherishing wine or whoring, literally or spiritually. Yeah. It also requires you to be deeply attentive with thorough investigation. So you need to be treading towards wisdom. You need to penetrate. You need to inquire well, dig, discover. Just all these different words scripture used to 
talk about the process of searching for wisdom. You need to do this with the right motivation. Uh, you need to make sure that your heart's applied through this. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to be costly. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to give cautious thought to your steps, being aware of danger as you're moving in this direction. And as you're doing all of these things to really put in the effort to move towards it, it's also important to keep in mind that you also need to simply ask and do not waver. Um, just the idea that a lot of times we don't ask for wisdom and so we don't actually get it. And so we need to make sure that we are asking. You can get all this from the teaching, counsel, and discipleship from others. So one of the things that we saw in Proverbs, it was emphasizing you need to let yourself be reproved or rebuked. Uh, Again, that person who's doing the rebuking should be doing it well. Um, But that kind of rebuke can actually give you more knowledge and wisdom. And then um, through forgiving self and others, so something about holding on to issues or things against people dilutes your mind and it it can uh, slow that process. Yep. Also something that helps with this is time and age. And so just as we move along, uh, just in our sanctification journey and also really life, uh, we're going to pick up on a lot of different things that we're, we wouldn't have picked up on when we were younger and just be Mm -hmm. able to, um, be more wise as we progress. And then also, uh, after the fact kind of thing, wisdom will be shown to be right through action. So a lot of times it's just once you actually see it in action, then, then, oh, okay, now I can get more, I can tweak that or whatever. Also with, so those are all the different ways that one can accumulate um, knowledge and understanding and wisdom. We also notice in some of the passages that it was important to that sometimes knowledge be protected or concealed or withheld, and thus the holder of the knowledge will remain silent. So, for example, because the timing isn't right, maybe the recipient would misuse it or have the wrong motivation, uh, or because of rebellion, the reward of it is withheld, etc. This you can even see this with Jesus. You know, in the early part of his ministry, he was telling a few people and said, "Now, don't tell anybody else this." And then later in the ministry, before he died, he's like, now go tell this to everybody. So there is some discernment about when knowledge should be spread. So now that we have some ideas about how to accumulate that, we, the next section is what are some things that we should learn about? What are some things, according to the Bible, that we should begin to know or understand or, or have wisdom about? So, of course, the biggest first one up front is you need to learn about God. And so this would include his name. This would be both his, his character and his deeds, including his miracles. Uh, for example, learning that he, he is faithful in his covenant and promises uh, and learning with discernment where his anger comes into play as well. And then while you're learning about God, you need to learn about his ways and his will. So Jesus has the power to forgive sin because of his miracles and save us. We can become fully acquainted with who God is through his son. Um, faith justifies, not the law. God works through the good of those who love him. Suffering produces endurance. God's, God's plans for the end times. And through no one, for no one knows the day or the hour of Jesus' return, the wise will be prepared in that final season. And God will give words and wisdom to those on trial in the end times. So real quick note on that. We're not supposed to know when the end times happen mm-hmm. as far as the exact date. But there are some signs, <laughs> and there's some things that are supposed to happen, and so we should be aware of those things so we yeah. know that it's approaching. And then once it does occur, there's certain wisdom we should have in how to respond during that time. 
Yeah, and there's even different verses that talk about we need to be eagerly expecting the com- the coming again of Christ, and just we need to be actively watching for it. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, also, Matthew twenty four. Yeah, yeah. And it's also important to note with this that one way to uh, or one thing that we need to be learning about is God and just some of the different nuances of his character and his will and these different things but we also need to keep in mind that god cannot be fully comprehended and that really should humble us just as we begin to recognize the greatness and expanse of who god is Mm -hmm. um, it really uh, should result in us recognizing who we are through that process and like first corinthians 13 talks about that now we see in a bronze mirror partially and incomplete but um, when we Eventually, when we get to heaven, we're going to see him face to face and just with all the clarity. Fullness, yep. Um, so that's a really good analogy yeah. that, that that Paul does there. So if you know mirrors back in the first century Roman Empire were usually hammered out bronze, and it would be hammered out flat, and so you actually could get a reflection, but it was a somewhat distorted reflection. So one of the things is we do need to be learning about God, but understand that we are looking in a bronze mirror. Um, through scripture and creation and everything else. So we're not getting the full rendering. Um, and that won't happen till heaven. I've, I've heard it say uh, said that one of the reasons heaven takes for, for eternity is because it's going to take us that long to get to know him, right, and all his facets. Um, little side note on that, by the way, I think we've mentioned this once or twice recently. We're in the process of developing uh, a Know Thy God study. And Craig and Zach are, are with me on this. There's 11 of us total. We're probably going to take about a year. Uh, we, we've laid out all the research that we're going to do, and we've assigned all the projects and teams and all that. And so we'll hopefully finish it sometime in summer or fall of, of 2019 and then roll it out maybe in early 2020. And then we are going to be doing, uh, that's the plan for season four, um, is to do Know Thy God, which I'm really, really pumped about. Uh, and then also with that, and you, uh, Craig had mentioned with the end times, the I think the plan right now we'll see how this plays out you know down the road but season five is actually going to start working through books of the Bible and so at this point my goal is that we'll probably do Genesis and Revelation first uh, and then Job and then maybe Exodus and then start working you know kind of sequ- probably go sequentially or chronologically but I don't know Craig and I both are big believers in if you do Genesis and Revelation first you're really getting the bookends. And you're really getting the big picture of what's going on. And so we had done a, Re- a revelation study back in our in our community group. And so we've got a lot of cool yeah, stuff. That was, to, that was an interesting study. Yeah, there's a lot of cool information on on, on revelation and little. It's revelation singular, not uh, not revelations plural. Anyways, so so yeah, we should be learning about God. Another big thing we found in the study is that we should learn be learning about what justice is and what it entails and how to pursue it. So of course that goes back to the justice study, which is that making of things right. So for example, that God desires compassion, which is that loving kindness. And you can go back and listen to the, the love study to get all that. Uh, and, and that knowing him, uh, that God desires compassion and knowing him rather than even set those uh, mosaic sacrifices. And uh, we are to be both shrewd, so practically wise, and innocent or harmless, including how to handle disputes. And we also need to keep in mind, uh, like we talked about in the mercy in the compassion mercy study a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. that we need to and i think in the elephant and the elephant episode, with the biblical rebuke yeah with yeah. biblical rebuke that we need to note the log of sin in our own eye before removing the speck in another's and so um 
we also need to, as we're doing that, keep in mind that what comes from within is more important than what enters the body and not to call someone a fool for that shows an unloving heart. So there's a lot of different components to that. But as we're interacting with others and trying to make things right, we need to make sure that we're doing it in a way that scripture would actually promote. What would you guys say, you know, earlier we were talking about how like foolish and ignorant and stupid, they're the technical terms and you don't want to use them in, in demeaning ways. And then we do have what you just referenced, Zach, that in Matthew, it talks about we're not supposed to call someone a fool. How do you kind of reconcile that or what, what's going on there? Are you guys familiar with that passage? I am familiar with the idea of that passage. I haven't looked at its specific wording recently, um, but from my recollection, it's saying, uh, I believe it says the three different way, the three different words, uh, fool. Um, well, raka yeah. was, the, was the Aramaic word. And it has consequences for each of them. Yeah. Um, but I think what it's really getting at there is, when you're saying those different words, you're attacking someone's character. Yeah. And you are not just mentioning that they aren't aware of a topic. Yeah. You're actually making character accusations yep. against them. And so that's what we need to be avoiding as Yeah, because it seemed Raka, that wasn't just a neutral technical term describing a situation, but was rather you were actually trying to attack somebody. So, yeah. Um, and then... Uh, continuing with the idea of justice one of the things we notice is that you should do good unnoticed that, that that that's a wise a wise thing to do um you should not be ignorant of the devil's schemes why not why should you not be ignorant of the devil's schemes what would you say craig i mean it's good to know what the enemy's doing yeah. so you can be prepared for it and yeah. know how to react to it and so yeah yeah you, tactics. Should, you should know yep and then uh, there's also a lot of passages that talked about not experiencing or knowing other gods. So um, just the idea that God is a jealous God in the sense that he doesn't want us to be um, trying to find satisfaction and fulfillment in things other than himself. Uh, I'll throw this out. Um, it says we're not supposed to know other gods. So there's other gods. What would you, I know Craig, you've studied that. What would you say? Yeah, in a way, um, there's other powers outside of God himself and, and humans. Um, he made angels and there are demons. And to us men, you know, things in the spiritual realm would be other gods. And then there's also the, the uh, we tend to, as people, make things our gods yeah. and put them above God. And so, yeah, so in that sense, there are other gods. Yep. They're so lesser than big G God, but they're there. Yeah, because the, uh, the Hebrew is Elohim, which means the powerful ones. And so in, in, the old, in the Old Testament, you'll see like God, small g, it's the same word as God, capital G, but you can tell that, that the capital G God is the self-existent divine being, where these small g gods are just other powerful beings. And then, and then Craig nailed it. The second way that could be used is other things in life that become things that we worship or that we value too highly. So, um, all right. So those are some of the things that we're supposed to learn about and get, get knowledge of. So then the next little grouping, this goes, so those parts there were part of that question too. What are some of the details and nuances of the concept? So that leads to the third unpacking question that we do, which is what are the benefits? So if you're pursuing knowledge and understanding and wisdom, what's going to result? We, we definitely found overall that, that, um, 
it is of great worth and value, which again is kind of a duh, but the Bible repeatedly emphasized that. So one of the things we saw, one of the benefits that come from this as you're, as you're pursuing those things is that God is pleased uh, as you're walking worthy uh, in, the, in, the, in the manner of the Lord. This is the kind of thing that he really, he really enjoys. Fathers and others are also pleased. We saw that in some of the passages. Uh, and you get favor from Lord and men. So we saw some examples in Proverbs and some of the prophets that wise people um, find favor with other men. Uh, some other benefits are we have better intimacy with God. Knowing and understanding that God is Lord, we, uh, we gain more fear and excitement of the Lord, and we become more righteous and, and sal- or, no, righteousness and salvation via grace and faith and waking to everlasting life, and then God's wisdom is for our glory. In addition to just growing in intimacy with God and just all of the different things that Craig was just describing— when we have wisdom, there's this element of being guarded and watched over or being preserved. Uh, if we are pursuing wisdom, we're going to have level paths and unimpended steps. Uh, we're also, we can also live securely in peace, free from the dread of evil. And this isn't, again, one of those one-to-one things mm-hmm. that if you're right, being right. wise, then you're always going to have a level path and you're going to know where you're going in life and everything's just going to be clear neon signs for you. No, it's this general idea that as you are being wise in your actions, then generally you are going to have these level paths. And notice that it's not free from any evil happening to you. It's free from the dread of evil. And so that's the dread fear that Mm -hmm. we talked about in the fear stuff. Right, so wisdom will help counter that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another result is just a a successful self-governance. And this, by the way, if you can successfully self-govern yourself... That then allows God to be able to send you out and use you. This goes back to the idea of boat riding and water walking, um, and it's the water walkers are the ones that become more trustworthy that, that he, can, he can send out. So some of the specifics with that, you're going to get you know obviously more knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, and that's going to be with increased certainty. This will help with the ability to discern or distinguish between good and evil, between other things as well. Uh, you're no longer being just hearers of the word who are choked with unfruitfulness. This goes back to some of the other passages. Um, with this comes power and strength uh, and steadfastness. Power and strength is an upcoming episode that we're going to do. Uh, patience and joy are, are grouped with this. Healing. We saw that the wise shall shine, that they're effective in persuasion. The tongue of the wise commands knowledge, Proverbs says. Uh, this, this will allow you to bear fruit in every good work. And it's coupled with being thankful and pleased with all those things. Another thing it can bring is stability in the land. In addition, Which, what do you think that means, by the way, Craig? I just think if the people in the land and the leaders in the land are wise and they have knowledge and their knowledge starts with the fear of the Lord, then it's going to be a pretty well-functioning city and that's stable. Yeah. And you see the inverse of that ignorance can lead to violence. Most people don't understand or fear. Yeah. Uh, In addition to that, we also see blessings, reward and treasures as a result of wisdom. And so uh, as believers were commended, were exalted and honored with a crown. This also can lead to wealth, either physical wealth on earth or eventual, uh, again, that could be spiritual reward. Also, we see this idea of the wise ruling over the foolish and wisdom just being a fountain of life. 
So, so those are, are some of the benefits or results of that. The next little section that, that we go into, so we, we've looked at what is knowledge and wisdom and all that. Uh, how does one get it? What should one have knowledge and wisdom on? What does it result in as one's pursuing that? So then we have just a series of notes that we're going to read off here about, um, well, the first section that I'm going to do is wisdom and knowledge regarding God. What were some of the things that we learned? Uh, we learned that he used wisdom at creation, which makes sense <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, he searches and he knows. So he searches and knows people's paths, which is too wonderful for us to attain. He searches and knows people's needs. He searches and knows people's thoughts, their heart, their motives, including malice. Uh, he knows their discussions. He knows those who take refuge in him. And he knows haughty people from afar. We also learned about Jesus' wisdom was greater than Solomon's, that it did grow throughout his childhood. He grew in wisdom and stature and favor among men. Um, that that wisdom coupled with his miraculous power, it really astonished people. His name became well known because of the wisdom and because of the miraculous power. Uh, Jesus knew that power had gone out of him when the, when the woman touched his cloak. Uh, Jesus did not know sin, but became sin for us. We also learned that it was well-pleasing to God to hide the truth, such as like with, with miracles, from the wise and reveal it to infants. Though he does not reveal himself, uh, he does reveal himself to both believers and non-believers, and he reveals his counsel to the prophets. And then um, wisdom and knowledge regarding us. We are to love God with all our understanding. We are granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. So as people that follow God and get to learn more about him, we have revelation. God gives us, the spirit gives us revelation of the kingdom. Yeah, yeah. We are to make Jesus' message timely, known to others, spreading the good news, not with clever words or with brilliant speech. So that's a lot of times we, even today we see this, people want to put a little spin on it, put a little uh, pizzazz on it. Mm -hmm. It seems like biblical wisdom, you can just deliver it. Yeah. Yeah. And then also regarding non-believers, uh, there are some different points with wisdom. And even those who are evil know how to give good gifts and act shrewdly. And it's interesting because, which that point there, I know as some people are listening to this, they probably have some pushback with that. But even uh, in culture, we can see different people who do not know Christ. They claim to be atheists and probably mm -hmm. are. Um, and they're doing benevolent things. They're giving to the poor. They're giving to needy people. They're giving people platforms to be able to share their ideas. Like there's a lot of different ways that people actually can be doing beneficial things for others. And it's interesting because some of the people that aren't believers in Christ actually do that more effectively yeah. than some believers do. Yeah. Which as believers should cause us to reevaluate our priorities a lot of times. So is is knowledge, understanding, and, and wisdom accessible only to believers? No, it definitely would seem that it is accessible to uh, both believers and unbelievers. Yeah. Although I do think that um, the case can be made that with different spiritual truths, you're not going to be able to True. understand them True. if you are an unbeliever. Well, that was Craig's point, like the mysteries of the kingdom, right? That's going to be revealed to those that are knowing Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even how to behave rightly as believers. A lot of times we ascribe, we think that unbelievers need to act like believers, um, but they don't have that knowledge since they are an unbeliever, yep. and so we shouldn't expect that of them. Yeah. And then also with unbelievers, people who cho who choose dullness of mind and close their eyes 
to the things of the Lord aren't going to be able to understand Jesus' truths, what we were just talking about. And Satan's actually going to snatch those truths mm. from them. Yeah. And so with this idea, you're actually able to see false prophets by the fruits that they have. And also blasphemers of the Holy Spirit. Both of these people you can see by their actions who they truly are. Um, and those who don't believe in Jesus and confess him as Lord are not going to be known by them. There's the passage that talks about in the last day, people are going to come up to Jesus and say, we've done all of these good things in your name. And he's going to say, I never knew you. And I want to comment on that because that can be a really troubling verse for people. Um, mm-hmm. I know Christians that sometimes get afraid. Like, what if I'm one of those that I've you know, said, Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And he says, I don't, I don't know you. I, how do I know? How can I prevent that? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing is, if that's a, a fear of yours, the fact that you are scared about it shows that it's not going to happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because you really are trying to pursue um, pursue Christ. So one thing I'll say, I don't have my, my notes in front of me on this, but if you look at like statistics here in the United States, um, it's somewhere around, I don't know, 88 to 92% of Americans uh, say they believe in God, uh, mm-hmm. some sort of higher power. And I want to say it's, well, it's, it's dropped in these last couple of years. It's still probably around like 72 to 77% would still classify themselves as Christian. Uh, it's only around 50% that attend some sort of religious service on a regular basis. Um, it's only like 38% that would say that I get to go to heaven and have eternal life because Jesus died for my sins. And then and the percentages keep dropping, so it's only like 22% actively, uh, weekly try to study scriptures and apply it. And it's right around 8 to 10% on, on certain surveys that like uh, Barner Research has done. Mm-hmm. It's only like around 8 or 10% that seem to actually apply <laughs> the, the scriptures somewhat well. But the main point there is you have around 77% of Americans that would classify themselves as Christian, but only around 38% that would say that Jesus died on the cross for my sins to atone for them, which frees me up to have this relationship with God and eternal life. So it would seem that the Lord, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? Did we not call you Lord? And Jesus says, I don't know you. He's referring to that 40% that have claimed it, but don't even know what it means. Yeah. So for, for a Christian who's scared, you know, I'm, I'm scared that Jesus is going to say he doesn't know me. Well, who do you say he is? Do you say that he's Lord and Savior, Romans 10, 9? What did he do? What was one of the main things he did was the cross. If you understand that, then you won't be one of those individuals. So mm-hmm. I wanted to encourage people with that. All right, so, so then the next section, we're going to kind of rap, rapid fire this. This was just some other notes. Uh, that we learned from the study. And I thought about we could probably not even say these and, and still get away with it in the podcast. But I realized, no, no, let's go ahead and put them in there because one of this goes back to the point of like, why do we include all the uh, the Greek and Hebrew words and such? It shows how much actually came from this study. So like, like when we were doing the study, these were things that we didn't spend a whole lot of time on. We had just like observed, someone had made a comment, hey, I, I saw this in one of the passages, and so we made note of it. it. It wasn't repeated very much, it wasn't emphasized as much, but there was a passage or two on it, so we wanted to in- include it. And so we want to go ahead and kind of go through that list now. So, so one of the things we noticed was with the disciples, that they, even though they walked with Jesus for three years, they were still slow to gain understanding and wisdom. So that was one of the surprising things that, that wisdom and understanding don't necessarily come easy. Some of the sub points that we saw under that 
and the disciples, they were of hardened heart, and so they did not gain any insight from the loaves miracle. They did not understand when Jesus first said that he'd be handed over and then rise on the third day. They didn't know what it meant to actually sit at Jesus's right hand. Um, they did not know what to say at Geth- Gethsemane when they were sleeping. Um, Peter didn't know what to say at the transfiguration. Peter denied knowing Jesus three times at one point. And, and then finally, they had their minds open to the meaning of Scripture at the post-resurrection meal. So it was actually encouraging to see how much the disciples did not actually understand what was going on until later. And so if you can sit and walk with Jesus in human form for three years and still be slow to understand, then we probably need to be patient with ourselves in, in that process. And one other note with that, because Jesus talked about how he was going to leave and he was going to send someone that would even be more powerful than him, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so that just tells us something as believers today, that Jesus thought it was better to have the Holy Spirit living in us, showing us truth and illuminating and revealing things to us than him himself with us. And so the disciples missed out on a whole lot of things, which... Uh, it's easy in hindsight to say, oh, come on, guys, you could have seen this coming. Um, but a lot of times we lo- we say, oh, man, I wish that we could actually walk with Jesus. But Jesus himself told us that it's actually better for us to have the Holy Spirit with us instead. So that's just one of those little perspective things that you don't normally think about. Because even like as I go through and I'm studying something, I'm just like, oh, I really wish that I could just sit down. Because there's the verse that talks about Jesus after his resurrection was walking with two guys on the road to Emmaus. On the road to Emmaus, and he explained himself in scripture to them and then disappeared. Yeah. It's like I want to hear that conversation. Yeah, Chuck Missler said that was the greatest sermon ever ever spoken and he you know, he hopes that he can see a recording of that. Yeah, and so like we wish we had that, but then Jesus says it's better for us to have the Holy Spirit and we lose we just lose sight of that really quickly. So that just made me think, I have never heard anybody ask this question. And now that I realize I've never heard anybody ask it, it's just that much more startling. The question would be, why didn't Jesus just stay forever on the earth um, to preach to us and heal us, etc.? I don't even thought. About, have you guys ever heard somebody ask that? No, not that I know of. No, no. So I'm like, why have why have I not thought of that question? Why has no one thought of that? But the answer would be. Well, there'd be a multifaceted answer there, um, that there were many things that he wanted to get done with him not being here. Because you also have, depending on your theology, with the millennium, that thousand-year reign of him on the earth, he will be there for the thousand years. All right, I'm gonna have, when we get done here, I'm going to chew on that some more and figure it out. Anyway, so Craig, back to you. Oh, so other God-fearers throughout the Bible saw understanding. Sometimes they did this well, and sometimes they did not. Zacharias, who wanted to know for certain if the angel was telling the truth, was struck dumb for it. Uh, God made known Christ's birth to the shepherds through angels. Jesus' parents did not understand him when he was first at the temple. The people and tax collectors baptized by John acknowledged God's justice in sending out John. Luke investigated everything before writing Luke and Acts so that Theopolis may know. The men on the road to what is that Emmaus did not recognize Jesus foolish and slow of heart to not believe the prophets but then their eyes were open and they recognized him at the breaking of the bread 
So in addition to all of these different instances where God fears throughout the Bible we're seeking understanding, there's also a whole lot of verses in the New Testament that talk about the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisees seem to really struggle with this idea of knowing. You're right. They didn't know by what authority John the Baptist acted, and they were foolish and did not understand that God makes the outside and the inside, just when he was talking about them being whitewashed tombs and cleaning cups. Mm-hmm. Um but they did know that Jesus was talking about them through parables. Right, so, so they, they, so they did yeah, pick yeah. up on that. Um, the Sadducees, which were a separate sect from the Pharisees, if I'm remembering correctly, but still in this category, they didn't understand the the resurrection because they didn't believe that there was any sort of life after death. Do you, do you want to tell your joke? Uh, see, the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't <laughs> believe in life after death and the resurrection. I'm so glad I got to throw that in there. I was told I couldn't, but <laughs> yeah, I but just well, I figured earlier at the beginning of the episode, I'd <laughs> tell that stupid thing. I'm like, all right, it'd be fair if I go ahead and let you do it. So. What's fair is fair. Yeah. Um, so some thought that the gold in the temple was more significant than the temple itself. Going back to the idea of these Pharisees, the scribes and lawyers took away the key of knowledge and hindered others. Mm. Um, they, the Pharisees at the or um, the Roman soldiers at the cross didn't understand what they were doing, and Jesus actually asked the Father to forgive them because of their ignorance. Yeah, the Roman soldiers and the Sanhedrin, the officials, the Jewish officials that mm-hmm. were there. Yeah, um, and then we also saw that Pilate knew that the religious leaders were envious of Jesus. Herod knew that John the Baptist was righteous and holy. Um, the angels at the tomb knew the women were looking for Jesus, and demons knew who Jesus was. So those are just some other, like I said, kind of some rapid fire um, points on that. So then the the last thing that we're going to discuss a little bit is this idea of foolishness. So, you know, we, we did most of the study on knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and counsel. So we wanted to look a little bit at what was the inverse of, of all that. Um, and so we, we saw that foolishness is more common than wisdom and honor. Uh, the definition of of foolishness, and, and we referenced this back at the beginning, it's to be slow or congealed or dulled or slacking or complacent, to be unaware of or to forget something, such as God's goodness, to spurn or neglect God's counsel, or to not be wise or prudent. So whenever you see the Bible talking about foolishness, it's talking about like those, those type of ideas. And then some specific acts of foolishness would be to not know God, to not heed his word, and to not be prepared for his return, to repay God's goodness with perversity or cursing, and to reject, hate, or belittle others. And then it's also helpful to realize some of the results of foolishness. It corrupts others. It displays your own dishonor. Uh, It's being a servant of the wise, and so the foolish are underneath the wise. Uh, The wise person is described as stumbling in the darkness, or the foolish person is stumbling in the darkness, they're going to be mocked and debased, handed over to evil, and disaster, ruin, anguish, and destruction come to these people because God's hand is against them. So that's all the notes I had. Did you guys have anything else that you wanted to to add from the study here? Um, nothing super to add, just um, things I to reiterate that I found were important, I guess, for me. Mm-hmm. And um, one was um, a trend that I noticed in my research part of this was that powerful and important people tended to seek wisdom and counsel from other intelligent people or people with knowledge. Okay, um, that's good. That, let's see, that 
Proverbs a, a couple times talked about, and you were talking about this earlier with wisdom being referred to as a woman, but he also, it also says that um, it is better than gold and rubies. So it just shows the importance of having wisdom. Yeah. And then um, remembering that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's talking about, you know, earthly wisdom passes away. So we're just remembering fear of the Lord is the most important thing, the most, the best understanding wisdom and knowledge you can have. And then um, the last thing I would like to, I guess, reiterate is um, it's in 1 Peter 3.15. And it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to yeah. anyone who asks for you a reason for the hope that is in you. And so God wants us to learn, to understand, and to gain wisdom about him and his word because we should always be able to uh, to share that with somebody else. Yeah. So if we were to wrap all this up and and someone who's listening is asking, so what's what's like one of the primary implications or application for this? And maybe, Craig, you've already touched on it a little bit, but what, what would you, if you just want to say one more time, what, what would be like a, some advice you would give to a listener as far as, now that we've gone through all this and kind of explained it all, here's a big, here's a big application for you or a big implication. I guess it would be just the, you know, don't, which it talks about, you know, drinking milk and then growing to eat meat. And so it is important and God wants us to move from the baby steps of Christianity. So just learning about him and sitting in church a few times a year and, and not pursuing, it's not beneficial. It's not good for you. And so the goal of a Christian is to, to gain knowledge and wisdom and understanding, um, particularly in the word. It's also helpful to do it in other areas of life, but you know, just don't stay a baby in the Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I would say a, a big application here actually just reiterates this whole unpacking process that we go through. That as it's like if you listen to Craig, or, you know what? Yeah, so I shouldn't stay with the milk. I should go to the solid food. Where am I gonna most get that solid food from Scripture? Mm-hmm. So the the application that I would add to that is as you go to scripture, do it as comprehensively as, as you can. Yeah. So don't, don't get knowledge just from one verse and assume you're good to go. And that's truth and reality. It is, but it's probably partially true. There's other passages that you also want to want to read and study. And so do that comprehensively. What would you say, Zach? Yeah. And just along those lines, um, cause we talk a lot about th- applying the details of the Bible to the details of our lives And a lot of times, if we're just on the milk of Christianity, we apply the generalities of the Bible to the generalities Mm -hmm. of our lives. And so, like, we read 1 Corinthians 13, and it describes love, and we say, okay, so I need to be nice to people. And then you try and be nice to the people that you like. And there's just so uh, little power in that when you compare to walking through loving someone with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength— being patiently uh, dedicated to them, walking through all of the verbs in 1 Corinthians 13 and doing that not only to your close friends, but your acquaintances and also your enemies. Yep. Like there's just power in that. Yeah. So that's one thing. And also I think that it's important to keep in mind that God's wisdom looks a whole lot different than man's wisdom a lot mm. of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus talks about turning the other cheek, going the extra mile. There's a lot of things, especially in the Sermon of the Mount, that he just flips a lot of cultural things on its head. Yeah. And just the way that you think things are going to be yep. just isn't it. If you want to be first, you need to be the last and the servant of all. Just all of these different things that seem so 
different from what we think it would be. And we referred to this earlier, but Paul says that he doesn't preach the gospel with clever words or convincing people. He just presents the simple truth of the gospel. And that is something that I really think as we go through this, it's important to keep in mind just the difference between God's wisdom and man's wisdom. Yeah. Um, and so so last question is just personally for each of you guys, what was one of the takeaways uh, from the study that really got your attention or encouraged you? Uh, I guess for it would be an encouragement. And um, just because it's only been the last few years that I've been pursuing actual gaining of knowledge and wisdom in the word and so just good to see that it's an important thing and I'm doing the unpackings and and looking to find out things not just through what someone's told me but going to the word and making sure I'm being told the correct thing so it's encouraging to know that I'm I'm doing at least one of the things I'm supposed to be doing (laughs) yeah right right right. it's good I think one encouragement uh, for me just thinking through a lot of these different things is Um, I've had some conversations with unbelievers and one of my friends from high school, uh, we've had a lot of conversations and something he's told me is, I know that you're going to figure out that this whole Christianity is, this Christianity thing isn't real. You're smart enough. And that's something that, that statement has really stuck with me. And as just thinking through what knowledge is, true knowledge comes from a fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that excitement. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's not, and if that's not the starting point, you can come up with a whole lot of things that do make sense. But just um, the clarity of scripture, the cohesiveness of how this mindset just affects every single aspect of my life. I can't deny what scripture has presented. And it's just something that has been encouraging for me that, um, worldly wisdom would say this doesn't make any sense and right. it doesn't in a lot of different ways but when you're coming from uh just a position of humility before the lord it really does you begin to see how just the dots start connecting yep and it just paints such an incredible picture well and how all these unpacking confirm each other mm-hmm. and all that yeah i think the biggest one for me from the, the takeaway from the study learning that you know wisdom is that skillful self-governance and so if I'm that phrase that you just mentioned, Zach, applying the details of the Bible to the details of my life, that's going to allow me to skillfully govern my life. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of stupid things in my life, especially in my 20s. Just, you know, I, just, oh my goodness. Uh, I think back to some of the decisions I had made. And so in my 30s, now into my 40s, um, as I've more skillfully governed my life because of what I was learning from skip- Scripture, I've seen the benefits of that. And it's also nice knowing that as you more skillfully govern yourself, God can actually use you more. Hmm. You become one of these go-to people for God, and that was a, that was a big thing for me. So, so yeah, so that's that's the study. We'll wrap up there. Um, as always, if you want more information, if you have questions or you want to push back, I don't know if there's a whole lot to push back on this episode but mm-hmm. maybe, <laughs> maybe 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 you thought of something but you can go to the website rekindlingministries.org or you can email us at info at rekindlingministries.com uh, we're always looking for, for people to put comments on uh, on podbean so we can see you know see what you think of the uh, of this of the episode and then the next one that we're doing is peace mm-hmm. so we're starting to make our way through those lists that i was talking about in the fruit of the spirit so we're gonna do peace and then we'll do joy after that, we got a couple more um, behind that one. So we will see you guys for the, the next episode. Thanks.